that this is an uprising against smug elites. Smug elites. So they're the villains, and the opposite is America. Because America is now one big gay disco. Yes, yes, I have that's, that's not evil. Being hostile to all mankind and subversive is not evil. One well, I have to say that because St. Paul said the Jews are enemies of the entire human race. They are. What do you think of Jordan Peterson? Uh, did you see the video about where he said, I can't do it? Adam, I'm trying to do you a favor. You're fighting for the gay disco. Don't make your ignorance normative for the rest of life. Don't, don't use those kinds of slurs. You're fighting for the gay disco. What? Are there are no slurs here. Maybe you would. And you're consistently refusing to talk about pornography. Uh, Pete Buttigieg yeah. seems to be the exhibit A of that process. Yes, yes. Because you think that the anus is a sex organ, don't you, Pete? Uh, Richard Spencer hands out spears and he says, charge the machine gun nest. Dr. Jones. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, welcome to the Irish gay disco. <laughs> it's hopping here. It's really hopping, not in the right way. <laughs> yes. So so glad to see you. I expected you would be in prison by now. So I'm glad to see you're not. Any day now. Any day. No, now. no. I th I think I think something's happening here. Do you know what I think? I think it's 1916 all over again. Oh well, that was organized by Freemasons as well. Well, Who whatever it was. I, let, let me let me let, 1916. The British Empire is in the middle of a war for its existence. And they can't pay attention to Ireland anymore. Okay, they got bigger fish to fry. And at that moment, the Irish rose up. It wasn't successful at that point, but it was a, a moment of rising up. Well, we're in a similar situation. Great Britain is now involved in a war uh, with the United States. NATO is involved in a war, and it looks as if it's escalating. Uh, at, over the past 24 hours, I don't know what you've heard in, in Ireland, but um, hey, disco. Hey, yeah, the, the gay disco is in trouble. Uh, the Russians are shooting up that disco ball. 
and Zelensky's not happy. Uh, he fired his entire uh, government, pretty much. Uh, he's a puppet. We're, people are speculating why all those people were either killed in plane crashes or uh, quit or were fired. What's going on there? Uh, Olaf it's Schultz. The Jerusalem Heavenly Project. Uh, yes. Part two. Uh, what? Okay. There. Yes. Uh, what? What happened? I, I mentioned this before, when uh, Zelensky announced that he was talking to Larry Fink of BlackRock. Now he's expanded that. He's talking to basically every Jewish uh, uh, vulture capitalist on Manhattan right now, and they're all being invited to come in to the Ukraine. Uh, they're invited to come in uh, and help rebuild the country. Well, that's a joke. There, what what's going on here now? Uh, this is before. Okay, Olaf Schulz folded like a cheap suit, a typical German, typical German zitzpinkler, who folded like a cheap suit as soon as they put pressure on him to put the send the tanks in. What's happening in the Ukraine? The Ukrainians are being driven out of their own country. This is a massive. Uh, form of ethnic cleansing. Uh, we uh, 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 a report from a Polish guy, Polish journalist, uh, Mike Krupa, who happened to be my translator when I did the book tour, Polish book tour for the Polish edition of Libido Dominandi. So I got to spend a week with him and traveling from one end of Poland to the other. He said uh, that 10 million Ukrainians have entered Poland. Uh, not all of them have stayed, but 5 million Pol uh, Ukrainians are now stuck in Poland, whether the Poles like it or not. Massive. 20 million, 20 million have landed here. It could be 30 million for all we know. And they're, they're well, first-class citizens, unlike us. I, I, no, what, what you're seeing here is this is part of the class, but I'm from the Ukrainian perspective or from the Jewish perspective, I think what's going on is that uh, uh, BlackRock, uh, Goldman Sachs and Zelensky are working with the to bring about the ethnic cleansing of Poland so that they can come in and buy up everything for pennies on the dollar. This is the most one of the most productive agricultural regions in the world. And we've already seen these these oligarchs have already shown their hand. Bill Gates is the biggest landowner in America right now. He's bought up huge amounts of property, huge amounts of farmland all over America. I think we're going to see the same thing in the, in the Ukraine, that BlackRock and these guys are going to come in. They, they tank, tank the economy, tank the country. I mean, the country is in ruins. Uh, the people have been driven out. They've been driven to places like Poland. And then from Poland, they go to Germany. From Germany, they probably go to Ireland. So you're, you're going to get them one way or the other because you are the the storage facility for uh, ethnically cleansed people. Uh, we're going. We're going to get them. Did you say they've been landing in for the last year and a half, like by the million? Right. They, they've oh. taken. You know, they're in every of the finest country houses, Mike. They get everything laid on. So, right. and people are sick and tired of it. We don't want them here. It's no, no, no. disrespect, but we have a tiny island, and it's for the Irish. Thank you very much. That's right. So, they can go, you know, there's plenty of other places that they would have crossed before they got to Ireland. They can yeah. go to wherever, UK. We've nothing to do with these wars. We're neutral. We're neutral. So send, send them to that other island off the coast of the United States. Send them to Martha's Vineyard. 
this is what this is what the uh, the governor of uh, Texas and Florida did. They sent the migrants to uh, Martha's Vineyard. They didn't last long. I don't know why. Why didn't they open their arms to uh, all of these people coming across our border from Mexico? But uh, that, that's that, that's the plan. But the point is, um, are you? Do you have? You're involved with the culture wars. The oligarchs are now involved in a regular war uh, in the Ukraine that is now expanding. It's escalating. It, it's it's not going away because I think what's happening now. We always knew that Russia perceived this as an uh, Ukraine, the weaponization, the nativization of the Ukraine as a existential threat, an existential threat to the existence of Russia. And I think they're right. I think they, they perceive that correctly. What I don't think we we understood at the time was it's also an existential threat to the American empire. The American empire can, has to, it's like cancer. It has to expand. If it stops expanding, it dies. That's what's happening. And so what you have here is a replay of what happened during World War II. Again, they entered a war that was not necessary to the interest of the United States of America. They entered it because they wanted to create the American empire because they had aspirations to replace the British empire. And when they entered it, they created a situation where it became existential for Germany as well because they, the policy was unconditional surrender. Unconditional surrender is the policy of the United States of America because we have this moral superiority that does not allow us to compromise by sitting down at a table and saying and negotiating for peace. We don't believe in that. We are the holy nation. We are a city on the hill, as the Puritans said, and uh, Ronald Reagan quoted them. We are a city on the hill. We don't compromise. We don't have reverse gear in our tanks. We uh, put you the proposition as unconditional surrender. And that is the situation right now. And I'm saying that's going to occupy their consciousness in a way that occupies the consciousness of the British Empire in 1916. And the question is, is this a moment of opportunity for Ireland or not? No, because they're using Ireland as their main HQ. They're, you know, putting Google, all their big headquarters are here. Pfizer is opening massive, much bigger operations here. So unfortunately not, we're very much part and parcel of the whole thing. But I see your logic. It's a very interesting argument. But Michael, um, your friends, the chosen ones, God's favorite, it seems they've been listening to your streams because I don't know whether you've seen this, but this is quite extraordinary. I'll show it to you now. She's a general. Just coming up here now. What's up? Do I just start speaking? Right now? Are you Tammy Cohen? Yes. Yeah. Hi, my name is Tim. Just introduce, introduce yourself. And oh, okay, sorry. Um, my name is Timmy Cohen. My address is 209 Clemens Court, Orlando, Florida. I'm sorry, I'm very nervous. Give me one second here. I have to go to my notes. My name is Timmy Cohen. I'm an LGBTQ civil rights activist, along with Black Lives Matter activists. I'm a third-generation Holocaust survivor. My great-grandmother was Irene Zisblatt. She wrote a New York Times bestseller called Diamonds in the Finkel Matter. Anti-Semitism is an all-time high with wild Jewish um, conspiracy theories about the Jewish people. And there is an anti-Semitic website that is being spread around all over the state of Florida, as you guys know. 
This is some of the conspiracy theories that they're accusing the Jewish people of, which is COVID, uh, Jews controlling all of the media, six Jewish corporations owning all the media, okay? 80% of Joe Biden's cabinet being Jewish, okay? And these flyers are very hard to see because when you are on the news, when you look at them on the news, the news agencies actually blur these out. So they can't, so I was looking into this stuff and I would just went to the website and downloaded these. So white supremacists are blaming Jews for mass migration. They're saying there's 30 Jewish NGO groups. They're blaming Jews for slavery. Uh, they're blaming Jews for gun control. They're blaming Jews for Trump, all of his donors being Jewish. Okay. Um, they're also blaming Jews for pornography and hookup culture. Okay, all of this. So um, these conspiracy theories are just running wild. I mean, LGBTQ movement. I mean, we're getting blamed for every freaking thing in the world here. Abortion, um, Disney, child grooming. So although all of the executives are Jewish at Disney, and it, you know, it's stated here, um, I think that I can come up with a solution and instead of demonizing people, you know, for this hatred, I think that the solution is, um, me being a Jewish person, that we should just come clean and just talk about, like, the involvement, like, all of the names here. Like, every, the news is calling it hateful. They're calling it bigoted. They're calling it anti-Semitic. But all of these names are factual. So we can either make anti-Semitism punishable by death, like we did in the USSR, okay? Or we could take away free speech. Or... We can just talk about the facts, okay? I'm Jewish. Our people are controlling all of America, okay? So I'm, I want to stop anti-Semitism by being honest. And that's all I have. Thank you. Okay, I inadvertently picked that, up a general appearance. That went down like a lead balloon. Well, so what did you make of that? That was a scam. That was that was the guy uh, is uh, what's his name? Handsome Truth from Goyim TV. The guy's name is Handsome Truth. He's from Goyim TV. I've been on Goyim TV. So he basically took all the things and pretended that he was a Jew, uh, a homosexual Jew, and got all of that information out to the Orlando uh, uh, City Council. So it was kind of brilliant, uh, subversive kind of move. So yeah, I am behind oh, that, man. by the way. You've seen I, I had, when I say that, when I say that, I mean intellectually behind, I had no, nothing to do with the planning of that. He, the guy did it completely on his own, but it's obviously all the material that I've been talking about for a long time. Of course it is. Of course it is. And you've been talking also, there's a clip I want to play, which has sort of gone viral um, of your last stream. And then I want you to just launch into what you were actually talking about. So I'll just play this quickly. I talk to anybody without our permission. Plus, that's a lot like Crowder, doesn't it? As a matter of fact, it's exactly like Crowder, except that Crowder can't figure it out because that he can't say the word Jew. If you don't have a category called the Jews, you can't figure anything out. And that let's be honest here. Let's be honest here. The whole point of conservatism is to keep you stupid. You haven't figured that out yet, have you? Why do you think Ben Shapiro and his buddies are willing to pay this guy $50 million? Why are they willing to do that? Because it's their job to keep you stupid.
And keeping you stupid means don't uh, use this category called the Jews. Don't bring it up. Let's just talk about conservatives. And that way we can uh, manipulate you and keep you on the reservation because we own you. Tel Aviv is not the capital of America. And he was kicked out of his own organization. Does that remind you of anything? It's like Jack Nicholas is kicked out of his own golf club. This is precisely what happened here. And now they have a stranglehold on our culture. They're driving us to a war that is going to end badly for everyone concerned. And we're not allowed to talk about it. We're not allowed to talk about it. We're not allowed to say the word Jew. We're not allowed to make these connections. That's what's got to change. If we don't, if we don't change, we're going to lose this country. It's that simple. So that was a really powerful stream that you did. When you say conservatism, the whole point of it is keeping us stupid. Will you explain that to our audience, please? Yeah, well, uh, the, the immediate uh, uh, reason for, for this podcast was uh, Stephen Crowder went gave a podcast in which he said, uh, you know, uh, this anonymous group uh, offered uh, offer me a lot of money and here are the terms and I don't like the terms because they're going to steal my identity. Well, then the, the, uh, it turns out it was the Daily Wire, which is Ben Shapiro's operation, which is a Jewish operation, and they offered him $50 million. And then there's a big debate. Well, how can you argue with $50 million? Well, if he, if he got uh, penalized, if he got deplatformed, he lost all the money. He could, and, and anyone can do that to you. you can, and if you don't have the category Jew, which you, we did not have at the beginning of this discussion because he never told us who he was dealing with. If you don't have that category, you're never going to understand who's, who's operating behind the scenes. So conservatism. Conservatism began in 1953, I believe, with two books published by Henry Regnery, a man who I knew personally, uh, a head of Regnery Press. One was Russell Kirk's uh, The Conservative Mind, and the other one was William F. Buckley's uh, God and man at Yale. Both came out, both created the modern conservative movement as an alternative to America first, because this is after the war. This is 1953. We can't go back to America first because they're isolationists. They're against the American empire. And the three main figures in America first all use the word Jew. So this is the new configuration. And that's how conservative got started. And uh, these two guys were not Jews, but over a period of time, the Jews gradually got into this operation. And once you let the Jew in, he takes over. This is what Father Hesburgh said. He should know. He wrecked Notre Dame uh, by doing uh, precisely that. That wasn't only that, but he certainly did that because I knew the Jew he left in who lived around the corner from me. He used to show up periodically at my house with Sam Shapiro in the history department. So. Uh, at this point, uh, Reagan decides we're go the neoconservatives, we're going to let them into the Republican Party. Midge Dector wrote about it in her memoir. Norman Podaris, Midge Dector are now full-fledged conservatives, and they go to the Philadelphia Society, and they go and they start attending meetings, and Russell Kirk shows up and he says, uh, Tel Aviv is not the capital of America, and they kick him out of his own movement. They kick him out of his own movement, and then it finally leads up to the point where You've got total full spectrum dominance, Jewish dominance over the conservative movement. And I don't know whether Crowder understands this. I think he does. I think there's an element of make believe 
in Crowder's uh, persona. Uh, so at the beginning of it, he says, well, who's doing this? Well, it's big, big con versus little con. He obviously doesn't want to talk about the main issue here, which is that Ben Shapiro will offer you a lot of money if you tow the Jewish line. That's what they took over. That's how this discourse has been taken over. And now the whole thing is escalating. Now everybody's getting involved. Uh, it's a big deal over here, back and forth, all these Internet personalities weighing in one side or the other on the side of Ben Shapiro or on the side of Stephen Crowder. But the other point is that uh, the, the word Jew is starting to be used here. So you're having consciousness emerge out of this thing, and you're starting to understand how they operate. Now, one of the people who uh, weighed in on this was Mikaela Peterson, who is uh, the daughter of Jordan Peterson. And she, she says, well, we got a contract from Daily Wire, and I don't see anything wrong. Apparently, he got a lot of money. I mean, more than $50 million, probably. Of course. And he's not worried. Now, Crowder is worried because he feels he's got some type of integrity. He's got a group of people he represents, and he he feels that he needs some type of freedom to operate. Well, apparently, none of these concerns are uh, of an issue with Jordan Peterson, who signed on the dotted line and immediately started doing videos like wagging his finger at Muslims and then wagging his finger at Christians and that, well, no, there was no third video. He didn't wag his finger at the Jews because the Jews own him. They own him. And if you don't understand the category of the Jews, you will never understand how it operates because you will never associate this with what happens to Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas, that's a golf. He's a golfer. What's that got to do with? Well, it's the same. He got the same contract. He woke up when this is all, all of this is in uh, the next issue of Culture Wars magazine. If you want the details, because it's complicated, I'm not going to go into that. But no, and I, I think it's relevant to hear maybe a little bit. It's a little bit sort of distant in a way. But I think the whole part, you see, in Ireland, we didn't have this right left we, where con conservatism was used to replace Catholicism in America. Right. 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 Absolutely. And, but, we only had Catholicism here. We didn't need to have this right-left spectrum because the society was Catholic. And then they started introducing all of these American ideas funded right. by the Jews and have messed everything up. And now we have this right-left, which people should never use those terms in the same way they should never use black and white. But right. um, as much as that kills you know, our audience for us to say that, um, that's a, that's just the way we should be focusing. Are we Catholic or are we not? And right. That is, that, is, that is the Irish identity. Something very similar happened in Germany after the war. So you had the social engineering, the man, who, the genius who wrote the book about it is Kaspar von Schrenk-Notzing, wrote a book called Charakterwäsche, which is a play, it's character washing as opposed to brainwashing or something like that. That was a play on that word. He wrote that book, and then he decided he's going to introduce conservatism into Germany. Well, it doesn't work there. There's no such thing as a conservative German. It's it, the, the party was the CDU. That's a Catholic uh, party or a Christian party. The, the CSU was a Bavarian, definitely Catholic party. And then you had socialists on the other side. It's, that was the configuration in Europe, in continental Europe. Same thing as in Ireland. 
conservatism completely failed to get a purchase on the mind of the German people. It's an English thing. We got it from England. Russell Kirk was an Anglophile. All you have to do is read his book, and he's taking walking tours through Scotland. And it, it, you know, well, wait, I'm not English. I'm not English, but I, I suppose I can be conservative. And that's sort of the transformation that happened with Catholic ethnics in the United States of America, largely through conservatism, especially Buckley's journal, National Review. It was a machine that turned a Catholic ethnic into a conservative. That's what it did. And now that's blowing up because it was kind of an artificially created category of the mind for political purposes. Exactly. When we talk about a Catholic society, we like we can think of Ireland 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. And what it means is that society is stable, that the family is very strong because the threat of divorce is not present. The threat of, you know, all of the things that have been brought in, promiscuity and people having affairs, pornography, abortion, etc. Um, so I think it's fair to like when we talk about this and I talk a lot at the moment about why we, you know, Catholicism is is the only thing that can save us going back to our faith. It's the lifestyle. It's the society it creates. Yes, the whole aspect of the prayer and mass is is fundamental, too. But really, I'm talking more about the sort of society Catholicism creates, which is very safe, stable, good for children, healthy for children. Absolutely. Absolutely. So but, but what you have is a real identity. So you're uh, Irish and you're Catholic. These, this is a real identity, okay? And you have references to this. You have Irish history. You have uh, the Catholic Church's teaching on everything, you know, especially uh, moral teaching. These are real identities. Well, when it comes to conservatism, there's, there's no fixed, fixed star here in this firmament. So what you, well, years ago, a couple of years ago, uh, Charlie Kirk, one of the big movers and shakers of the conservative movement for young people, announced that homosexuality was part of conservative acceptance of homosexuality was part of conservative identity. Yeah. And we contested that. I had an employee and went and contested that. But that's precisely the type of uh, uh, identity theft that you can do easily once you're uh, involved in a political movement where you don't get to determine the terms of the argument. What Charlie Kirk is, what we have the term here called coke sucker, uh, which refers to a, a kind of vulgar term here, but it also refers to the Koch brothers who were big funders of the conservative movement. And they were funders of Charlie Kirk. And so as a result, he who pays the piper calls the tune. And so what you have here are big money uh, players behind the scenes determining what the conservative movement is. Now, sad to say, this influence has, over, has in, infected the Catholic Church as well. That's the problem, because we, we were seduced away from this sense of our identity as Catholics. And I'm saying, I've been saying this for years, I am not white. In America, your Catholic, your identity, your ethnic identity comes from three religions, Protestant, Catholic, and Jew. That's your identity. That's your ethnic identity. And conservatism came into being to subvert that identity. That's exactly what it was there for. And now suddenly 
Stephen Crowder wakes up and says, oh, figures out what we've known for years here. So good. I'm glad he did. I'm glad he did. I'm glad the discussion is happening because yeah. it exposes the whole phony nature of conservatism. Well, I wouldn't trust him as far as I throw him. But anyway, um, I mean, until, unless these people are coming from a Catholic ethos, we can forget it. You know, they're, and they're not. We know they're not. You're probably being ironic. But, um, Michael, we have seen in this country a an awful lot of blow-in Protestant sects and cults that have come in. And there's one family in particular at the moment, and they're, they're trending all the time on the mainstream media. And I think they're Calvinists born again. I don't know. I mean, when we were growing up as children in a Catholic society, like we were literally told you never go into a Protestant church, never have anything to do with anything that is Protestant, like to the point that you'd be frightened to go into one because they were, they were perceived to be such scary places. And I actually still feel like that when I see a Protestant church in Ireland, I still feel this sense of, you know, it's, it's the opposite to being holy. That's probably terrible, but but this is an attempt by the media with this family who are sort of going against the LGBT thing. One of them is a teacher. He refused to use the pronouns. And then he went AWOL with his school who told him that if he didn't stop going AWOL, he would have to leave and he wouldn't. And now so he went to jail for a while because he broke the court order not to go near the, the school. And um, so now he's out of jail and he's continuing, even though he's been fired from his job, he's continuing to go back into the school. Now, a lot of Catholics that I know, traditional Catholics, are supporting all of this nonsense. And I'm convinced it is some sort of a psyop that's going on to make people in Ireland feel, you know, these Protestants, like there's, you know, fair play, like even though they're very embarrassing at this stage and it's got completely out of control and they behave like a cult. Um, and it, it sort of reminds me of the SSPX crew as well, because they, you know, have become very cultish and very sort of doing their own thing out of the mainstream church. Can you talk a little bit about the dangers of this? Yeah, now I've, I'm hearing this for the first time. I don't know who this guy okay. is. Know nothing about the background. But again, I've got categories that could uh, may help here. This is exactly how Jordan Peterson got started in Canada. Exactly how he got started. He objected to pronouns. He was a teacher. He was at the university, not at a lower school. He objected to the pronouns, and he became an immediate hero. Now, at this point, he be, once you emerge. You rise above a certain level, then people start to notice you. And so shortly after that, now this is way before, this is years ago, uh, David Brooks, the Jew, the neocon who writes for the New York Times, anointed him. The, the, the title of the article was called uh, the, Dave, the Jordan Peterson Moment. Yeah. So he had already done that, and now there becomes a back and forth here. So then Jordan Peterson starts doing videos like, well, Jews are really intelligent. And if you don't like Jews or the way they're running things, it's because you're jealous. You're jealous of their intelligence and you're jealous of their success. And that generates more interest on the part of places like the Daily Wire, you know? And you can see the back and forth here is they're converging. 
they're converging in, in a way that uh, was, I suppose, inevitable. So uh, he gives a speech, Jordan Peterson gives a speech in New York, and the guy asks a simple question. Have you read Solzhenitsyn's book 200 Years Together? Well, it's on video. You can watch it. He, he, he's like the deer in the headlights. What do I do now? And he walks off to the side. It's like Hamlet, you know, kind of, oh, what do I do? Comes back and says, I can't do it. Al. He makes contact with the Daily Wire. He signs on the dotted line, and one of the first things he does is fly to Turkey. He goes to Ephesus, one of the most famous cities historically, philosophically, in the world, probably the most famous, because that's where Heraclitus first used the word logos, and that's where St. John wrote his gospel using the word logos, and he gives a speech on logos. Now, name uh, five people who have written a book with Logos in the title, Gemma. Na name one. four. Name four. I think I have There's, here. There's okay. one. Now, I don't, I don't want to claim that I am the center of the universe here, but I think I had something to do with this talk. I'm sorry, because I'm, I'm the Logos guy. Uh, I feel like the black hole uh, that uh, all the planets revolve around, even though there's nothing yeah. there. So he gives a speech at Ephesus. Uh, there's an article on this in this issue of Culture Wars as well, in which he makes a complete fool of himself. Now, up, up until this point, I was giving Jordan Peterson the benefit of the doubt. But when he did this and stands up there, this is a big production. They flew the, the, the student body of this college all the way out there. They've got best lighting. They've got great production uh, values. He stands up there and he opens his mouth and he doesn't know what he's talking about. Nothing. Half the time you can't understand what he's saying because it's this Jungian psychobabble mumbo jumbo. And, and then he says things like, uh, this, uh, John's gospel is important. And then he says, because God in the beginning created order out of chaos. That's not John's gospel. That's Hesiod. You can't even know what you're talking about. John's gospel said, in the beginning, there was logos. The word chaos never shows up in the gospel because it never existed. There was always logos from the beginning because God preceded creation, and there's no chaos in God. So it's, it's, uh, now you're going from stupidity to blasphemy. And all I can say is that this is, again, what you're suspecting, I'm, I'm trying to bring my experience to what you're saying. Yeah, a it's a very good in, analogy. Yeah, sorry, continue. A, a guy gets brought in, put up a huge production, and he makes a fool out of himself because he doesn't know what he's talking about. But why are you talking about Logos? Why are you talking about it? Is something on your mind? Is this Ben Shapiro saying, look, Jordan, we got a problem here? This, this schmuck E. Michael Jones brought up uh, abortion as a fundamental Jewish value at the Right to Life dinner in uh, South Bend, Indiana, and he rained on my parade where I'm trying to take over the pro-life movement. Isn't that what's going on here? I had to bring this up. The biggest development in abortion since Roe versus Wade, since the overturn of Roe versus Wade, certainly, is the fact that the Jews have come out and said that abortion is a fundamental Jewish value. And it's not, it's four, not to, it's up to 400 now. 
400 Jewish organizations have come out and said this. And Ben Shapiro says, oh, they're not Jews. Well, wait a minute, Ben, what are you talking about? What this did was it brought reality to this right to life banquet, and it brought some type of insight into the way Ben Shapiro has insinuated himself into this and can taken control of the narrative and excluded the most important development uh, since the overturn of Roe versus Wade from discussion. That is the way it works. It's it's very, very interesting. Just getting back to the whole notion of the Protestantism that is creeping in here in, in the, the form of these different sort of sects and born agains and starting to take center stage in, in some of this battle against the new world order and replace, you know, the, the majority, the Catholic majority. What do you what do you think is going on there? Look, one of the things we know for sure is that the Rockefeller, specifically Nelson Rockefeller, used all of his influence to promote Protestant sects in South America. Now, why did they do that? Well, because the Protestant sects have no content, they have no doctrinal content, and they were also uh, accepting of contraception. And so the biggest problem, if you go back to this period of time, was Catholics having too many children. I'm talking about the 50s and 60s when John D. Rockefeller was in charge of the Population Council. So if you create this, uh, so I, I don't want to say Protestants are subversive. I mean, my my wife was, pro, was a Protestant. My first wife was an Episcopalian. I joke about that all the time. But these were sincere people. I'm talking about the weaponization of these groups. So you, you I was can involved. say it in Ireland. I think it's very safe to say it in Ireland because they've been very subversive in Ireland to the point of starving millions of Irish people because they refused to give up the Eucharist. Obviously, obviously so. you have this history. And to, to re reintroduce this into Irish culture is obviously a red flag. Absolutely. So, so you're prepared to understand the, the history of it in a way that the people in South America had no idea. No idea. I think Bolsonaro is one of these evangelicals. And so he's a big supporter of Israel. I got involved in this thing. I was involved uh, with a group. Uh, we, uh, we were Catholics and evangelicals were going to fight abortion. OK, OK, that's great. And I go down to uh, Virginia Beach. We were associated with Pat Robertson. It was a group that was associated with him. We're going to work with him. He's got a big profile and I'm standing there and he just flies in just got back. He said, I was just in the Philippines. We brought Christ to the Philippines. Well, wait a minute. No, you didn't. <laughs> they, they've been Christian for 500 years now. So suddenly I saw this element of subversive nature of the very people I was supposed to be working with, you know? And then later on, it became clear to me that all of these televangelists were all Zionists. They were they were immune. Jerry Fowler was the most famous example, created something called the moral majority, which was precisely one of these movements where we're going to fight abortion. We're going to fight cultural decay in the 1980s, kind of ahead of his time. Well. Menachem Begum gave him a jet. Because when Jerry Fowler flies around, he spreads the doctrine of uh, dispensationalism and Israel as God's chosen people. Well, yeah. Why was I so stupid? I don't know why I was so stupid. I have to wake up at some point and uh, better late than never. Right. But I mean, say, no, this is, 
This you is have to go of, through these experiences to understand, right. you right. know, and you, you grow from, from we, we all grow from our mistake. I mean, you couldn't have known it was uh, a mistake at the time, you know, and you learned a lot from it. But um, I mean, just like, in, again, I'm trying to nail this business. I'm sort of trying to tie it in with the, the Catholics who have left the Catholic, the mainstream Catholic Church, which they say is not the real Catholic Church. They say that, you know, we are the ones within the mainstream that have broken away by going against um, by by adhering to Vatican II. As it were, right? Are you um, you're talking about the Society of Pius X then, the Lefevre? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, I yes, that I'm trying to make this connection that they're not really any different to the Protestants in a way. Because well, wait, look, whatever really they, I, you have to name the name. You have to name what is the problem here? The problem is schism. The problem is schism. You broke with the communion of the Catholic Church. You are every time someone goes over to the Lefevreites, they are weakening the Catholic Church. Yes, they are weakening the Catholic Church, uh, which can which could function in an effective way in Ireland if it got its act together. And that's part of the problem here. But you're weakening the Catholic Church by doing that. The other thing is you're committing a sin. You're committing a serious sin. And this is the man who explained this was St. Augustine. He wrote two treatises one on baptism and one on uh, the Donatists. The Donatists were the schismatics of his day in Northern Africa. And the Donatists were Judaizers. And the essence of this Judaism is the sense that I will be contaminated if I associate with a sinner. To this day, that is a characteristic of Jewish behavior. So you'll find someone like Donald Trump had dinner with Kanye West and Nick Fuentes, and then the media jumps all over him. You ate with sinners. And Trump is too stupid. He's not a, I don't think he's a Christian. He claims to be a Presbyterian. I don't think he's a Christian in any sense of the word. Uh, he immediately falls into the Jewish trap and denounces the people that he had dinner with. Whereas if you were a Christian, you would say, Jesus Christ ate with tax collectors and prostitutes, and he was not defiled by their sins at all. And so I am not going to be defiled by the sins of the people that I talk to. But that's not the way the Donatists talk. And that's not the way schismatics talk. And if you want to know how they talk, you can listen to Bishop Williamson and you can bishop to Bishop Fillet because they both say the same thing. And Bishop Williamson said, the church has tuberculosis. And if we associate with the church, we will get tuberculosis. Bellet said the church has cancer, and if we associate with the church, we will get cancer. They both agree that that's a stupid from, from the point of view of medicine, but it's the same thing. And what you're doing is, that's, Augustine says this is a sin against charity. If you sin against charity, you cannot be saved. Jesus Christ said that. And that's Augustine reemphasizing that and talking about the donatist of his day, who were Judaizers, who believed that Jewish taboo stuff. And it's true to this day of the Lefevreites. And that's why it's not a good idea, either spiritually or politically. We have the same thing like in parishes here, where uh, a group of people who do not like the abuses go and leave and join the Lefevreites. And as a result, the abuses get worse because the people who shouldn't be objecting to them have left. 
That's the problem. And the same thing is yep. even more true of the church's political power. If you're constantly walking out of the church because you don't like what's going on there, the church is weakened and cannot deal with the moral issues in the way it should be. It, that's exactly how I feel. And we have such a big Catholic infrastructure in Ireland, Michael. You know, I mean, you've been, you know, like there's a Catholic church every every mile easily i would say and so what's going to happen and i'm directing this at all of the latin mass people sspx people in particular those churches we can say goodbye to them those churches that were built by our grandparents and great-grandparents because they're not going to survive they're going to you know be turned into lgbt hubs or whatever but uh there's no way because the hardcore Catholics have left the church and are now, and I heard actually yesterday that the SSPX, wait for this, Mike, they have introduced cash payment machines, card payment machines in their churches, which is the sort of thing that a traditional Catholic would walk out of the Novus Order churches for. So what is the difference between the SSPX and the mainstream Novus Order churches, if they're going down the same route as globalism, you know, they, they have this tap and pay thing in the church, at the entrance to the oh, church, right. you know. Didn't Jesus Christ drive these people out of the temple? That's what I Are, thought. Isn't this, isn't this the modern day equivalent of money changers in the temple? Yeah. Well, but what's the, I mean, I thought the SSPX, you know, these people were holier than thou and that they were, you know, the real deal. But why are they allowing this horrific cashless society into their religion? I don't know. But they would be well, the first well, to attack me for saying that I'm not a real yeah, Catholic yeah. because I go to yeah. Vatican II Church. That's right. That's right. So let me ask you a question. What did Jesus Christ have to say about Latin? You tell me. I wouldn't want to nothing, quote. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. nothing. What did Jesus Christ have to say about unity? He said a lot about unity, and he talked about how important unity is. And if you are using Latin as a way of breaking communion, you're going to follow that mass out of the church. You're doing the work of the devil. You're doing the work of the devil because you're weakening the church. And the church like needs, it needs to be strengthened. We need unity right now. Look, Ireland is never going to succeed in reasserting its independence unless they reassert their Catholic identity. It's never going to happen. I'm, I'm saying, it's, I, did a, I did a video in German. I'm saying it's never going to happen in Germany. Mm -hmm. The situation is desperate. It is desperate. And, and, and there is no way out uh, 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 without some type of supernatural help. I mean, this is not new. Don't we celebrate Jesus Christ as our Savior? The entrance of the Savior into this world, don't we call that Christmas? Have we forgotten the meaning of this? That we were so uh, uh, paralyzed and crippled by our sins that we couldn't get out of it. We were stuck in this swamp of sin and could not get out of it. And that's why we needed a Messiah. So what has changed? Ireland's going to save itself without a Messiah, without Jesus Christ? No, I don't think so. Germany's going to save itself. This every, uh, Virtually every single person in Germany has been baptized. 
Well, why are they why are they so weak? Because they've abandoned the faith that they were baptized into. The same applies to Ireland. There's only one way back. It's not difficult. Church is still there. You can still go down the street and go to church. For now, for now. But increasingly, you know, we're having a situation like we had during the reign of Henry VIII, when our monasteries, convents were completely plundered. The same is happening now. I mean, you you know, you pass old convents now in Ireland that were fairly active up to a few years ago, and you just see the rainbow flag, right. the rainbow flag flying out, and you know that they, the, the nuns have been forced to go. And I have a friend who's an, uh, a nun from Kenya. She was just in Ireland. She just came back last week. Uh, she's a, a one. It's called the Little Sisters of Saint Francis. She visited the mother house. Actually, she's going to do a uh, her dissertation on the foundress of that order, who was an Irish nun, uh, Mother uh, Mother Kevin. So she goes, uh, shows up at the convent. the The youngest nun in the Irish convent is eighty three years old. Yeah. I know, I know. It's very sad, but we do have some young, new young orders coming in the home of the mother and a few others. And they're, these are very good uh, young sisters, the Institute of Christ the King as well. So I, I think there is going to be definitely a, a resurgence there. But, uh, you know, I was saying the other evening, you know, the Latin Mass, it is it is wonderful and it's a, a very mystical experience and supernatural, but mystical, it probably isn't the right word. But you know, it's most Catholics wouldn't be ready for that. You see, the the SSPX crew say, well, they should just all go to the Latin Mass. But, uh, you know, they, they wouldn't be able for that. Like they can barely follow the, the gospel in English, you know, because they're so detached from their faith. So yeah. it has to be very I, gently done. Right. I, I don't know whether you heard about this. Have you heard about the Ratzinger book? Ratzinger is haunting us from the grave now. It's called uh, Cose e Cristiano, Cristianismo. What is Christianity? It's a book that just came out in Italian. There's an English translation available. Uh, and uh, it's, anyway, I hold, I hold Pope Benedict responsible for this. Yeah. He is the one who created Samorum Pontificorum which allowed widespread use of this and then it spread uh, disunity. What I'm saying here is I, I said it in an article, it's available at Culture Wars, but I mean, I'm saying this was passive aggressive behavior on the part of a German who had been uh, uh, internalized the commands of his oppressors because of social engineering. He had become an American and he was thinking like an American, thinking in terms of the American empire. When he was put, one of the things he complains about in this book is uh, homosexuality among the clergy. Well, wait a minute, I can write a book about homosexuality among the clergy, but I can't do anything about it. He was Pope. Why didn't he do something about it while he was alive? That's an, an, another question here. But uh, the point here is, um, if the mass were deficient, if there were abuses, why don't you fix it? So that we can all go to the same thing. And and if you, if you need to fix it by putting Latin back into it. Okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll put Latin back. I understand Latin. I went to the Triton Mans for the first 17 years of my life. I'm not opposed to it. But don't create two options that are going to cause disunity. Fix the one that's broken. 
so that we can all worship in the same way. He opened the door now to this uh, division that uh, Pope Francis is now ham-handedly trying to fix, uh, making the matter worse in many instances. It's a mess. It's a mess. It is a mess. But as we, as we keep saying, the only solution is is back to Catholic ways, Catholic faith, Catholic lifestyle, Catholic and, and unity. Unity. We need this unity if we want to be effective in this world. We need it. And every time you defect from the Catholic Church, whether it's to the Lefebvreites or some Protestant sect, you're weakening the only institution that can save Ireland. It's that simple. The only institution that can save Germany. It's that simple. It's not going to be saved by conservatives, whatever they are. There's only one institution. Now, the situation over here is different, but it's in many ways similar. The main bulwark against moral decay in this country was the Catholic Church. The main engine of moral decay in this country was the Jews. And when the Catholic Church ran up the white flag, when it came to the Legion of Decency and Hollywood, they let the Jews come in. And as Father Hesburgh said, if you let the Jews in, they take over. And that's the situation we're in today. Yeah, and I think from an Irish perspective, you know, as you say, America is so much further down this road. So is the UK and continental Europe, maybe not Italy and Spain and the other Catholic countries, Ireland being the most Catholic. And we held on for longer than any other country to the values of Catholicism, such as being pro-life, anti-destruction of the family. And that's why it's so painful to watch this, because we know the solution is Catholicism. And, you know, we are the most recently Catholic. So it's so easy for us to go back to the faith in which we were baptized into and reared into. It's so easy. And it's the solution. Just before, I, there's two other things I want to talk to you about, Mike. Um, the you, you heard about the LGBT um, filth that's going on in our libraries here. You heard about that. I didn't tell you about it. But you were reminded of an article that you wrote I think back I sent I sent you the article. Yeah, I have the article. Yeah. Tell me what you want to talk about here. Same thing. Same thing that you were talking about in, in your video. The libraries have now become the cutting edge of social subversion in America. Uh, this was a story. It was at 2004. So it's 18 years. No, 19 years ago that I wrote this article about the, basically the Jews took over the library board in Delaware County, a section of Delaware County. Delaware County is the most Catholic county in Pennsylvania. And the Jews took it over by getting in charge of the library board, and they immediately started putting in anti-Catholic propaganda into this library. And there were Catholics who showed up and protested, and uh, that's, that's, what the, that's what the article's about. Same thing you're seeing you're seeing in Ireland, using children's literature, using the children's section of the library as a vehicle for promoting sexual deviance. Uh, Drag Queen Story Hour, uh, if you've heard about that, is always taking place at a library, and it's only there for children. So we need to be able to object uh, in some coherent fashion to what's going on here. Uh, and we can only do that if we expose the people who are doing it. And by having a strong Catholic, you know, cohort as well, when the people are off in their, their secrets, Latin cult, 
they don't care about mainstream society, you know, then because their children are being homeschooled, they don't go into libraries. So, again, this is the same problem. We can't fight this with strong voices. Um, I also want to. So that is the article there. Can people find that? Um, yes, yeah, it's on the it's on the Culture Wars website. Just go to April uh, 2004 and you can download a copy, a PDF. Culturewars.com. Culturewars.com. Yes. Yes, but do people need to subscribe, right? Subscribe to Culture Wars magazine because this is the the coherence that you're missing because we Honestly, have the categories. If my audience and I know we probably have about a thousand watching and and on the other platforms the same. If you haven't subscribed to Culture Wars at this stage, I would really recommend it. I mean, it, it really is just so packed with all of the information that you need to know about what's going on at the moment. And it's just a brilliant read, Michael. I'm going to be getting it for a couple of other people in my life just so that they, you know, can keep up to up to date with what your your writing is is fantastic. Thank you. Speaking of which, how is your book on the Holocaust in inverted we're working, commas? We're, work, we're I'm working on it as we speak. I'm working on it today. It's a little bit complicated yeah. because because there are two authors to this book. I'm collaborating with someone else. And it's difficult to bring the parts together. So it's a complicated book, complicated process. And we have to get all the footnotes, all the citations down exactly. But it'll be out this year. There's no question about it. Will it be out sort of summer? or Because I know there's an awful, like this is going to be the definitive book. On we, ha we have to deal with this because it is the fundamental myth of the American empire. It's the fundamental myth of the American empire. Uh, and we have to deal with it uh, in an honest fashion. So are you going through various uh, tales of uh, Holocaust survivors, as it were? How are you approaching the book? As a narrative. It's called, we call it the Holocaust narrative, uh, which is basically this narrative was created by certain works of fiction that developed over a period of time. The fiction created the tropes, the tropes created the narrative, and that's what we're dealing with today. So, you know, just the things, oh, things that you probably already know, the diary of Anne Frank, uh, Ailey Wiesel's Night, how the narrative developed there. Uh, for example, Ailey Wiesel never mentioned uh, gas chambers. It was flaming pits where babies, Jewish babies were thrown into flaming pits. And then the... Um, uh, the OS, the uh, American intelligence flew over Auschwitz at the time. There are no flaming pits. And so then it's got to change, changes to gas chambers, changes, changes, changes. So it's basically, I feel, I feel confident dealing with this because I did a PhD on literature, you know, and this is one piece of literature. You usually it's children stories that where the narrator is a child. That's what Anne Frank is. That's what Ailey Wiesel is. That's what The Painted Bird by Yeshi Kozinski is, and so on and so forth. That's that's the structure. I don't understand why uh, we can't talk about this narrative. This is literary criticism. Uh, we should. There's already books uh, involved in this. I don't see anything, any problems with bringing this book out. It's so interesting because an awful lot of the allegations made against clergy in Ireland and against nuns, of course, came from people who were four, five, six and seven and eight. And there are some issues with memory, especially in relation to the Tuam sure. Holocaust. You know, you heard about that. Sure. So sure. that was a complete and utter fabrication. Yeah. And it was used to bring into abortion into Ireland. You know, That's right. To, 
condemn the nuns who are actually right. looking after these babies That's in right. the same way that um, the, you know, the Germans were actually trying to save the lives of Jewish people and everyone who came into their work camps by giving them uh, treatment that would help them avoid typhus. So that's what the Zyklon B gas was. It was there's, a, a there's life there, saving measure. There's a chapter in this book on a Dr. Eduard uh, Wirtz, who uh, was called uh, by the inmates there. He, he first was at Dachau, but when he got to Auschwitz, he was the medical doctor in charge of there. Uh, and uh, he was called the angel of Auschwitz because of the measures he took to prevent the spread of typhus. Uh, you probably didn't hear, hear about him, did you? No. You know. never saw that. You never saw that movie because Hollywood never made that movie. It's this is funny part stuff. of. No, yeah. this is this is this is part of the story that 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 ha has to come out. It has to come out. They there was a, a, an actual Christmas card that they sent this guy and begged him not to leave Auschwitz. The inmates at Auschwitz begged him not to leave because the only reason they survived was because of the medical measures that he instituted instituted there. That doesn't sound like a death camp to me, but I mean, that's part of the story that we, 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 it will come out. It'll be in the book. This is going to be the book of the year. This is going to be the book of the year, because I really believe that this year is going to be the year when Jewish victimhood is basically, you know, it, it collapses. It's going to be when people find out how they have been lied to in relation to the Holocaust. And I see even the controlled opposition in Ireland, the people who attack me day and night. They're starting to talk about the Jews and they're saying things like it's irrelevant that the Jews might control everything. We just have to focus on what's happening in Ireland. The Jews control Ireland. When we say the Jews, we're talking, you know, we don't have anything personally against them per se. We just want them to convert to Catholicism. But it is it is going to be the year that this is all revealed. It's the last taboo and nobody has helped us to see it more than you, Mike. So thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. And thank you for doing what you're doing. Well, I couldn't do it without your incredible, uh, it's been in total education, you know, what I've learned over the last few years. But anyway, culturewars.com, fidelitypress.org for all of Mike's books. And you do your stream on Telegram on Friday evening, don't you? Friday at uh, five o'clock New York time. Okay, so that's 10 o'clock here. So people could easily watch that. So and it's really good because people can ask you questions as well if they join your telegram, right. telegram group. Isn't that right? That's right. Anything. Ask me anything. I try Absolutely. to organize a topic, but you can ask me anything. I, I, have to, I have to say, I have to tell you this. I got a question. How would you, how do I introduce uh, the Jewish question to my nine-year-old daughter? And then he says, her mother's in prison. <laughs> what a, what a question i'm thinking uh, 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 uh. so i said well you know what i would do i would start off by saying why is mommy in jail and then i'd say uh let's take her from there did she was involved in cheating so i didn't know anything about this guy all i knew was the question so then i go through this whole thing then i get the response and he says you said exactly what needed to be said she, you, it's just as if you knew what she, who, who she was. Well, how do I know that? Because I have a category that no one else is allowed to have. So, I mean, this is a type of real, what, what, what do we call it? Unprotected intercourse is what we have here. 
in the session, the question session after the podcast. <laughs> and you had a young Irish man ask you a question, the answer to which was yeah. just brilliant. Yes. Yes. It was really, really good. He was basically, you know, again, you were just saying, go back to that's, math, go to that's math. Right. And that's the beginning. That's the first step. And then, um, they, and then they asked me where I got this sweater. That's true. And uh, you said. Aaron Islands. It's an Aaron Islands sweater, but my, da my daughter bought it for me. It's, it's lovely. It's lovely. Hopefully lovely Irish sheep. Sometimes it's a bit tricky nowadays to get them, amazingly, but it's it suits you so thank listen you. thank you so much again for joining me mike and you'll be back again soon and I, in the god meantime willing. yes take care of thank yourself you. god bless and thanks to all of our audience i know how much you appreciate e michael jones good night everyone and god bless salam <laughs>